Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Spirit of 67, our weekly Queen's Park Rangers podcast. My name's Robert Warlow, I'm joined here today by our QPR club writer, Phil Spencer. Hello. Hello, Phil. And also we have with us our Brentford club, club writer, Tom Moore. Hello. Hello. So, Phil, uh, you were at Loftus Road on Saturday, um, a 1-0 win for QPR against Barnsley. We mm-hmm. said, I think, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that that was a game they'd have to target to try and get a win, and, and they did. Yeah, it was um, it was it was definitely a, a game which had um, a lot of a lot of pressure riding on it. Considering considering QPR's form this year hasn't actually been that bad. Um, they made a, a decent start in New Year, um, and obviously there was the back-to-back defeats against uh, Middlesbrough and Bristol City. Which, to be fair, I don't think anyone would have really expected them to get anything from those two games. But I think it was the uh, the manner of the uh, defeat against Bristol City, which was. Uh, which was the concern, um, obviously, in, in that game, uh, Bristol City went down to, to 10 men in mm-hmm. the first half, and uh, rather than it swinging in QPR's favour, it seemed to go more in Bristol City's favour, and QPR showed very little in that game, which was really disappointing. So that kind of put a lot of pressure on uh, on the team and the squad going into the game against Barnsley, which was um, the proverbial uh, six-pointer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think QPR were seven points ahead of Barnsley going into the match, and it was just a game which was... Uh, Probably more of a must not lose for QPR than any, uh, more than anything. But um, no, they, they went into it, and um, to be honest, I, I think it pretty much played out how they would have wanted it to. Uh, the first half was particularly cagey. Um, neither side were particularly good. You probably have to say that Barnsley were edging it though. There maybe a couple more clear cut chances in the first half, but going in level, I reckon Ian Holloway would have been fairly happy with that. Um, then the start of the second half, um, that was when QPR got the goal. They were, they were on, on the attack. Uh, there was a penalty appeal, which uh, many people thought QPR should have been a penalty, uh, but the ball fell to uh, to Josh Scoen about 25 yards out, and he, uh, he bent it in the uh, almost the top corner um, from uh, from that range, and uh, that put the game on on QPR's terms. Um, after that, uh, Ryan Manning came on. Picked up his uh, red card. What four minutes after he um, after he came on the pitch, which was a little, little bit ridiculous. Um, but um, yeah, he picked up his red card, and I think people started to get a little bit more anxious again that um, the Q- Q- QPR could end up um, losing it or or drawing it based on the lack of confidence. But no, they they looked pretty much in control for the rest of the half. I don't think Barnsley posed too much of a threat uh, throughout the rest of the second half. I mean, there was a chance late on which. Joel Lynch um, like deflected over the crossbar, but other than that, I think QPR were fairly comfortable and really they, they probably could have added to the lead in the, in the final few minutes. It was important though, as you said, going into it, 
to not just maintain that buffer, but if they could extend it, and they've done that. So I guess it just relieves a little bit of pressure and, and you know a bit of anxiousness that they could get dragged back in. That's it. I mean, um, yeah. So what they were. We were, they, were, they were six points ahead of uh, Barnsley going into the game. They were seven points above the relegation mm-hmm. zone. So uh, QPR have, so far this season have been they've been very good at just being almost like one result ahead of that relegation scrap. Uh, when it's looked like they were going to get dragged into it, they've always managed to get that victory out of nowhere just to, to stop that happening. And um, I think that's exactly what they did at, at the weekend. I mean, um, a defeat against Barnsley, that would have pulled them a lot closer to the relegation zone and uh, could have made things a little bit anxious going into the uh, the next couple of months. But now they've got, they've got 10 points between them and the relegation zone. Uh, they might not be fantastic every week, but um, they've got the ability to uh, to get to get a result every every couple of weeks, even if it is just that. It's, it's enough to uh, to keep them safe, and so I, I don't think there'll be any 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 troubles or any any real threat of relegation unless something goes drastically wrong in the next uh, the next couple of months. I guess you have to give them a bit of credit for that that they are able to pull out a result, you know, when they need it, or it, even if it's against a, a team like you say Barnsley. A little bit below them, or they've done it against some of the top teams, haven't they, as well this season? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, um, so far um, since since New Year, um, Ian Holloway's um, he's given a, a chance to uh, quite a few young players who've come through. Um, obviously, there's been a lot said about QPR not not signing anyone in January, which is like purely down to their financial predicament. They're not really in a position to spend any money whatsoever, and hence the uh, the eleven people who went out the exit door in January as well. So um, he's decided to to fill those gaps with young players coming through and um, maybe maybe the games against Middlesbrough and Bristol City were it was a little bit unfair to throw 18, 19 year olds who've got literally less less than 100 minutes worth of championship experience uh, to play in those kind of games but no against Barnsley he, he opted for a more experienced side he brought in people like Matt Smith or Pavel Swalek who've been brought in James Perch who's been out for six months all players who um, haven't been playing in the last few weeks uh, but have that experience, and I think it was maybe that um, that that experience, that level-headedness, uh, that that composure, almost, which uh, which helped them get the result in what could have been a tricky game. I'll bring Tom in here, Tom. Um, you, I'm sure seen the highlights. It was a a good strike from Josh Gomes, wasn't it? Yeah, I think uh, it was a. You could almost argue it was a very good decision of the ref not to give a penalty yeah. in that situation, but. I think it was it was a it was a fine finish. I don't think there can be any arguments about Ryan Manning's red card either. But I think it was almost a win that the QPR board needed more than anyone else. Is while the managers etc. can always will always get the credit credit or the criticism mm. for defeats as well. Is it was one that the QPR board needed. Is they've made some horrendous mistakes over the past few years. Certainly, in like the red nap rain, the huge rain. I mean, like some Jose or Singler, etc. Is all of that is very, very well documented. But also, is I think the fact that getting a win there, it just sort of helps justify the fact that they didn't spend any money in the transfer when they didn't bring anyone in. And obviously, then you've got the fans unhappy. Oh, why, why aren't why aren't the club spending money? Where's the ambition, etc. Well, the way I personally see it is there are three worst teams in QPR that I think most people would agree on. Mm-hmm. There are at least six better teams in the division than QPR. Is If they're not going anywhere, the January market is a seller's market. Mm-hmm. 
it, why waste your money in January if you've got FFP, etc., and you've got to try and cut your profit off accordingly? Why waste your money in January? Why not take stock, give some youngsters a chance? Some might end up being a flop. Some one one or two might succeed. As you don't know, mm-hmm. is it's is you're better off taking that impression. Is I'm surprised you don't see more teams actually in football take a leaf out of what goes on in America because obviously in America you've got the trade deadlines in your NFL, your baseball. As I know through my love of baseball, is that when it comes to the trade deadline, is the teams that aren't going to make the playoffs if they've got an an asset. I mean um, the New York Yankees in 2016 they weren't going to make the playoffs. They trade their closing pitcher, Aldous Chapman, who hurls it over 100, 103 miles an hour. They trade their set-up man, Andrew Miller. They trade Carlos Beltran and get young players in through those through that package. Yeah. So they actually went from having a their youth system, as it were, or farm system, as they call it in America, their youth system went from being one of the worst to one of the best and just by trading their more marketable players in that point away and then the following year they're actually in in the playoff race so they were then able to use a couple of those young players not their star ones as trading chips to bring other other players in to to strengthen and, and make a push is I, I see the January window as one for teams that are really down at the bottom in the relegation mm-hmm. scrap to try and invest to push out and the ones right at the top to try and invest to, to kick on. So I, I see the January window as more of that. And if you're not, if you're in the middle, that's when you probably look to sell some of your players mm-hmm. more than anything else. As if, let's just say, someone had come in hypothetically, Alex Smithies produced a really good offer, more than that QPR's valuation, you let him go. Matt Ingram, I, th- I think, is a good keeper and can replace him. And then you you can take stock and, and see where you are in the, in the summer. And it's an easier market to sign players in the summer. I think we, we've, we've, saw, we've seen that as well in January. Is the January, there are a lot less transfers that happen, but they're all for a lot more money. Yeah. I mean, given QPR's position now, and, and as we said, what that win kind of does for them, do you see it now as... Them being one of those teams that you know you, you probably can't look at too many, but there's a, a, a small number of teams who aren't going to challenge for promotion, probably aren't going to get dragged in at the bottom. So they're they've now got that opportunity if they want to play a few younger players and, and see you know between now and the end of the season who they want for next season and who they you know might look to move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah it gives them a chance to to assess and. As I'd say, it's, sort of, it's time to take stock, really, for QPR. Assess what you've got. Work out whether you're going to offer contracts to certain players. Assess. You can spend more time scouting as well. And that and it is get, having good scouting and being able to sign the right players with the right characters is better. I mean, obviously, there, there are still players that QPR need to get rid of as well. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. Manuel Thomas, for instance. Mm-hmm. He, he's probably one that... So you, that most people at QPR would be delighted to see him out to the exit door, but he's happy on his uh, ridiculous salary at the moment. Yeah, I think QPR went into uh, they went into January with 
probably one of the biggest squads in the league. All you had to do was look at the back of um, any match day program, and you could see just how many mm. how many bodies were in that squad. Not players that were necessarily trusted by Ian Holloway or people that were getting anywhere near the first team squad, but they were just they were just there, kind of like clogging up clogging up the wage bill, but then clogging up the um, the route into the first team for like youngsters as well. So I think the objective in January was very much to get rid of the people who were like the in-betweeners almost. So not the uh, the young prospects who've got a bright future ahead of them, but not the first team stars and just the kind of like blockade of bodies that were stopping everyone progressing between the two. Um, so, um, so basically it was, it was just, a, it was just good business to be honest, getting rid of 11 people out of the squad. There was some, some youngsters who I'm sure will go on to a bright futures in the game. People like Reese Grego Cox, for example. Um, he's a, he's a player who, Will will go on to a better bright future, but the the pathway wasn't quite there for him at QPR. So they managed to get rid of got rid of them. But then also in terms of their performances on the field, mm. there hasn't really been that need to to go out and make a panic purchase. Like like Tom said, it's it's very much a seller's market. If QPR were ten points worth worse off, they were kind of like floating like top end of the relegation zone or just outside, then maybe it could have been a case of the board going right. We need to sign. We need to sign a good striker because we need someone who's going to score goals for us to keep us up. But I think fortunately for QPR, they are in a position where they're they're safe enough. They're not going to get dragged into that relegation zone, like you said. They're, they're not going to push towards um, towards the playoffs. Really, I don't think they'll even break into the top half. Uh, but they should be safe. So even from a, a financial point of view, I think it would just be it would just be like a, a backward step to go out and sign someone in January who was a panic buy. Um, and then they can just at the moment they can just continue to give give the young players their opportunities, and then um, and I suppose make the next step in the summer when they've got a couple of uh, high earning players who are going to be out of contract, the likes of Ned Manua, James Perch, and as Tom said, Jay Emmanuel Thomas as well, who uh, I'll, I'll be damned if he uh, if he gets a new contract come mm-hmm. the summer. You'll you'll be getting something tattooed somewhere for Jay Emmanuel Thomas on the new contract. I know, all my, my favourite players are leaving, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um... Where, as you say, where they are now. I mean, how does Ian Holloway see it? What I mean, what was his reaction on, on Saturday to, to the victory? He was, um, well, he, he was naturally pleased with the uh, the victory on Saturday. It was it was a result which which was needed. Um, ev- everyone was feeling the pressure after the Bristol City game, and I think it was more than anything. Um, this week we've got we've got Wolves coming up. We've got a couple more difficult games um, up until the end of the month as well. Um, and you don't really want to be going to Wolves needing to get a victory or even like wanting to even get a point because you, you go there, it's a bit of a free swing. If you, if you do lose there and they haven't beaten Barnsley, that was four defeats on the spin, that would have been, which makes the whole picture look a lot gloomier. So I think the fact that they were able to get that result against Barnsley takes the pressure off going into Wolves. And um, like I said, it is, it is now a free swing and they can go up there and um, anything that they do get up there will be a bonus against probably one of the best teams that the championship's seen in, in recent years. We've seen before though, Tom, that, that that sort of game can work in, in QPR's favour. I mean, not many people would have expected them to beat Wolves or, or Sheffield United earlier in the season when they did. It's the sort of game QPR win. Yeah. Quite, quite simply, it is, you, you just have to look at some of their previous seasons in the Premier League is 2-0 down to Liverpool, win 3-2. Catalyst the great escape. Following year, go to Chelsea, win 1-0 at Chelsea. Uh, even though they get get relegated at the end of the season, is they keep they have a knack of putting out a, a victory when people are pretty much 
yeah, this, this is nil plot today. Mm. And is I, I'd expect Wolves to win quite quite comfortably. I think they're, they're the best side I've ever seen at this level. I think they are good enough to potentially even challenge uh, Reading's record of 106 points. I know a lot of QPR fans would love to see uh, Reading's record be uh, deposed because I know they're not big fans of uh, the, the, the boys from Berkshire. Um, but is you just almost have to look at it as a bonus. I mean, can, can you see Burton getting anything from Wolves? Can you see Sunderland getting anything from Wolves? Can you see mm. Hull getting anything from Wolves if they've played them, mm. if they haven't yet played them twice? Is You can't really. Is you, you pretty much can almost write it off. It's, is you look at Wolves, how a lot of Premier League sides look at Manchester City at the moment. Do you, as you say, Phil, you, you kind of called it a free swing for, 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 for QPR. I mean, that could play into their hands, though, couldn't it? Because, you know, they've got that bit of freedom, they've got that buffer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the shackles are off a little bit, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, I mean, we, we were just talking about it before we uh, before we came into into the podcast. I was talking about it with, uh, with Ryan uh, just downstairs. And um, we're almost saying that with, with the greatest of respect that in these kinds of games, QPR... They almost like drag teams down to their level. Like QPR know that they aren't going to be able to outplay Wolves. They're not going to be able to pass the ball and spray it around um, like what Wolves do. But what QPR do is they they work hard and they do they do like suffocate the other team into making mistakes. And if QPR can do that on Saturday and they can stop Wolves from playing and make the play the game on on their terms, then that's when you can see these upsets kind of happen. And you've you've mentioned it before. It's happened a few times this season. It's, it's happened against Wolves earlier on in the season. Uh, happened against uh, Sheffield United when they were obviously right up near the top. Happened against uh, Cardiff in, on uh, on New Year's Day as well. Um, and the role the role games um, against teams who technically they they are better mm. than QPR, but QPR have played it on their terms, and so they've been in control and they've they've been able to call the shots on the day. And that's hopefully what they'll be able to do on on Saturday. So, what do you think now between now and the end of the season will be success for QPR from? the club's perspective and the fans' perspective? Um, I think success for QPR between now and the end of the season will be uh, mathematically securing securing safety. Um, I don't think that's all that they should be aiming for because I think that's risky if you are just targeting safety. It can lead to complacency and that kind of thing. But I think it's a case of getting there as soon as possible. Um, and then between now and the end of the season, just um, just building for the future. I mean, it's not what any football fan wants to hear because everyone thinks, oh well that's it, they've packed up and gone on the on the summer on the summer jollies already. But um if they can secure that safety and then give these youngsters a, a platform to play regularly between now and the end of the season where results can be to an extent can be secondary to just giving them the experience of playing in this division and then that can work to their advantage going into next year. Um, like I said that there are a, a number of experienced players that were going to be out of contracts in the summer. Um, people like Anura and James Perch, they're they're on significant wages at the moment. If if they are to stay at Loftus Road next season, they're going to have to take significantly reduced terms to do so. And you you think that they may get a better financial offer elsewhere, which um, which may be maybe more appealing. So you're looking at the possibility of these youngsters having to play a much more pivotal role in the QPR first team next season, and um, they're going to be in a much better position to do so if they had. 10 championship games in the second half of the season mm. um, as opposed to going in next season having played three, four championship matches and being expected to uh, to, to keep the team in the division and establish themselves as a, as a, as a mid-table team. 
just get the sense that, that Ian Holloway is, is keen to do that as well and, and play some of these youngsters, you know, blood them in, this, in these the last, you know, last third of the season. Yeah, I think so. He, um, he's, he, he very much, he knows what his grief is. He knows what the, the limitations of the club are and he's, he's very honest in his assessment of doing that. But he does have a lot of faith in the, uh, in the youngsters coming through as well. He knows that they're the people that he's having to, to put his faith in. Um, like going into next season, the club can't afford to go out and sign a top striker. So whether it's people like Aramide Ote or Paul Smith, who's who's uh, was signed from Linfield, if you can get those players playing and playing nearer their their full potential, then that can be a much more cost-effective way of, of doing things. And so that's what Ian Holloway is quite happy to do. And um, I think all things considered, this season with everything that's going on behind the scenes, he's he's having to. He's having to put out a fire behind the scenes, but also get results on the field. And I think with all of that considered, I think you've got to say that he's doing uh, doing a decent job mm-hmm. based on that. Well, hopefully he might, he might even uh, make, make it a double over, over Wolves this weekend. You never know. Um, you'll be there at Molyneux, won't you? I will indeed. Excellent. Well, all the coverage will be on getwestlondon.co.uk of that game. And uh, obviously in the build-up and uh, reaction afterwards as well. Um, we'll wrap it up here for now for this week but thank you very much for joining us and uh, we'll be back next week zijn met je mobiel? Dat kan al voor 21,50 per maand met de iPhone SE 32 gigabyte. Nu met 300 minuten of sms'jes en 1000 MB 4G internet. Kijk op ben.nl Let op. Geld lenen kost geld.